1: All right, everybody, welcome to the uh, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, the uh, podcast for those of us who love those old movies. We just love them. We can't get enough of them, baby. Uh, Been a while since I said baby, I think. Um, (laughs) Had to get that out there. But Sam and Toddy, we're back here. We're we're rocking and rolling. And um, we couldn't be more happy to talk about the two movies we're talking about this week. Maybe we could be more happy, but we're we're going to say that, either way, okay? So, Todd, you doing all right over there?
2: I'm just I'm I'm listening to the mellifluous uh, tones of your your voice. I
1: oh, appreciate that. Appreciate
2: that. You like that. Yep.
1: Um, I feel like there's a little bit of a skip in the intro there. Uh, you know, technology's not being friendly to me lately, so you know, I'm just going to roll with it. Just going to roll with it, guys.
2: So um Steve Winwood would. Yes. <laughs> yes, he would. Um
1: Right at Tree Called Valerie. Um
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> This week uh we're gonna be talking about the face of terror from nineteen sixty-two, uh directed by Isidoro M. Ferry or uh William Hull Jr. Or as I like to call him Billy Hull. Mm. Um <laughs> Uh, I think that's just, uh, I, I I feel like, I don't know the details behind that, but it may be that, uh, maybe Isidore Ferry decided to change the name to William Holt Jr., or maybe an American just got a hold of it and kind of recut it for American audiences, maybe. I don't know. This is an odd show. Uh, this is another Spanish film, or is it a Mexican film? It's a Spanish or Mexican film, but it, it's it's one of the two. I'm not sure. I don't think I looked deep enough. I believe it's Spain. Yeah. Um we really, we're really digging on the Spani- Spaniards lately, mm-hmm. um, and then we're doing Top Secret from 1984, directed by that wonderful combo of the Zucker brothers and Jim Abrams. So, um, these movies are going to be interesting to review. Spoofs are—I don't know if we've ever done a spoof. I know we've done films. Uh, kind, that,
2: well, Schlock, kinda. Yeah, was Schlock, spoof.
1: kinda. Yeah. The great thing about old spoofs. And I say old, like, you know, because we're old, is that they actually had stories. Uh, some of the moder- more modern mm-hmm. spoofs, not so much. So.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Uh, big announcement time. So uh, we're going to get into what we've been watching in a minute. Todd hasn't really watched anything, so it'll be mostly just be me. But I wanted to kind of talk about something here in the intro. So after 13 years, or close to 13 years, I've moved the podcast over to another service um anchor uh spotify's podcasting service i hear footsteps upstairs i have a feeling i'm going to get interrupted during my intro um (laughs) i've done it for numerous reasons um but one of the reasons i've done it is because if you sign up for an anchor account um you can uh leave voice messages Uh, so I've been looking for a voice message alternative to bring feedback back to the show. Um, one of the reasons we took feedback away is we were getting so much feedback. We couldn't, we couldn't do the show anymore. I mean, it was, it was getting to be the point to where we were trying to figure out how to do feedback shows. Um, it was just too much. I'm waiting for my daughter to come in here. Uh, I don't know if she'll make it in here or not, but I'm waiting to listen to see if the door creaks open here. Um, but, and, and not only that, but most people who would, who would um, call into the show ended up creating their own podcast anyway. So we just couldn't do it. I mean, it was just too much. I mean, I'm, guys, I'm not kidding when I say hundreds of voicemails, and most of them were of the five- to ten-minute variety. It's great yeah. that people wanted to call in and uh, share their thoughts with us and talk to us, but uh, feedback is kind of a brief thing. Uh, it's not something that we, you know— we want to spend all of our time on not that we don't love you guys we do we've missed doing it ever since we stopped doing it but we had to stop doing it because nobody <laughs> would listen to the rules so we're bringing the feedback back which is a weird thing to say out loud and on this new anchor you can go to our page okay on anchor.fm slash ggtmc you can go there and on that page there's a message button and you can click on uh, a message and record it from your phone, from your computer, from wherever. You don't have to call anything or anything. And then just send it to us, and we can play it on the show. Okay? So it gives us the option to do that again. You, know, you can still send us emails. We don't really read a lot of emails on the show. I can still get them. Um, but we're going to start doing that again. So if that's what, if that's the route you'd rather go, then that's fine. You can send that too. I still have some emails from a couple of folks um, who've sent in a couple of movies that they would like us to cover at some point. I'll read those when we get to those movies, but um, this anchor service is going to be really good. Uh, I think for us and uh, it's, it's putting us out there to more services. We're on, you know, Spotify, we're on uh, radio public. Now Google podcasts has got us now. We're on breaker. Now um, we're on all these different services and uh, I'm just trying to get us out there more and more and to help us out um there's a lot of options with anchor uh monetization might even be one at some point which uh, could help us cover the cost of our show so i'm not even i'm not even crossed that bridge yet because you actually got to read um from what i understand you actually got to read advertisements to get the monetization so don't know if i'm going to do that or not yet yeah don't know if i'm going to do that or not yet Um, but you know, if it gets to that point where we're not getting donations and stuff, then so be it. There's a reason why people eventually quote unquote sell out. (laughs) Uh, you know, we've always managed to keep this thing completely sponsor free, except for the sponsors we like to use and never really affect the listeners and let the listeners control the show as far as cost and everything like that. But the truth is it's harder and harder to get people to donate. And I understand, especially now with all the craziness in the world, it's harder and harder to get people to donate to a podcast. So um, if, it, if we cross that bridge, we'll cross that bridge. But anyway, I wanted to get this out there because, yes, we are going to start doing the listener feedback again. We're probably going to stop doing the uh, what we've been watching segment at the beginning of the show. Um, we can't You can't have it all. And uh, the reason being is, you know, it's great talking about, you know, another handful of movies every week, but it's also a bit of a chore sometimes. And, uh, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather have the listeners be contributing to the show than, uh, if I had to choose between the two. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, if uh, we don't get a lot of feedback, we'll just go back to doing, uh, um, the, uh, what we've been watching again, but yeah. Now remember though, to leave a voicemail, you have to have an anchor account. So if you have a Spotify account or something like that, that might uh, be okay already, and it's not that big a deal to make an account. I made one pretty quickly. As a matter of fact, I made it very quickly, and you can create a podcast super quickly on that uh, on that service. Trust me. Um, but we just signed. I just signed it up for it, and you know, you'll see if if you go to that site, you'll see it says by Sam Rye, and uh, Todd can see it right now. I think if he sees my screen, and uh, it's you know. It, it's, it was time for a change. It was time to move on and do something else. Uh, try some different things. We've been doing you know the same service, same cost for a long time. Uh, time to try some different stuff. Get in with the big boys a little bit, mess around. And I think the... Uh, I'm not positive, but I think the... Uh, I don't know how you... I, I think I sent a voicemail to uh, the podcast itself. But I can't remember... One of the great things about the service, too, is it tells you it's got all these, uh, as you can see, Todd, we're 100% male as far as listeners go. Now, this is uh, our age group is 28 to 34, so that's our age group that listens to us (laughs) (laughs) right now. Anyway, uh, this is just temporary. Uh, What I like about this, though, 73% of it is in the United States. Pennsylvania is our biggest state.
2: That would be me. Yes. and
1: wait. 95% of our Pennsylvania listeners live in Lancaster. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> all the fucking Amish, <laughs> yeah.
1: which is, uh, some of the things I love about the show, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, I just put this up last week. So in a week, it's, uh, it's done a few things. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, the numbers are still pretty much the same as they were before. Uh, they're good. And I know it sounds kind of boring for me to sit here and talk about numbers and all that kind of goofiness, but, um, um, that's the way it is. I mean, I have to, I have to do what I have to do to keep the show going, and yeah. I want to keep the show going. So um, that's the way it is. Uh, I, I, I did send them. I know I sent a voicemail to myself. Maybe I didn't though. Um, I was going to check it and see if uh, if uh, it's potential for um, how it works, but I don't see it right now. So maybe it's not as easy. You we'll never say. know we'll see you guys but it's there try it out please and we'll play it on the show you have my word um but i believe the voicemail thing on the uh anchor site is uh limited to a minute and uh that's a good thing please only leave one um please keep your voicemails uh brief as possible um i'm not saying to call in to say you guys are great i mean we'll take those sure but if you want to call in, ask Todd and us, uh, Todd and us questions. And when I say us, I mean uh, Will's. Will's reached out to me. He's coming back soon. Um, um, he's just had some things he's had to deal with. Uh, and uh, you know, Canada had their own little COVID crisis too. So I think that uh, you know we're going to get back to you know not not that the show's been abnormal. The show's been the show, but uh, has it ever been normal? Yeah, I don't know if it ever has. It's always been. Right? A, it's so- always. Been a cyst on the face of
2: podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know what they're full of.
1: Kind of like Lisa Gay's, uh, we're kind of like Lisa Gay's face and the uh, face of terror. Yeah, right? Um, but no, we, we, you know, we want to be part of this. And, you know, Facebook can be a bit of a cesspool nowadays. Everybody wants to argue about everything. And, mm-hmm. and it makes no sense to us because not all of us got into this just to talk about movies. And, uh, for whatever reason, people have taken a over the last it seems like five years to me, almost like a sports approach of, you know, my movie's better than your movie. <laughs> and uh that that always makes me laugh because uh movies are subjective, just like humor and just like novels and just like so much so many other things. Mm-hmm. Uh just because I I enjoy Rob Zombie movies. Doesn't mean Todd enjoys Rob Zombie movies. That that should be the that, example. That is a,
2: that is an understatement. <laughs>
1: that is the example we should lead. But uh, Todd also doesn't uh, hold it against me and uh, spend the next you know five years of his life um, making fun of me for it. Now we make fun of each other for it, but we don't. You know, it's it's called taste. Everybody's taste is different. Go figure. Sure. Go figure. Some people just can't get past that i don't understand it but anyway please try the voicemail option uh let me know if you guys are experiencing any issues with the podcast out there in the real world and uh yeah that's a pretty big announcement it doesn't seem like a big announcement but it's a pretty big one considering we've been with libsyn now for 13 years close to 13 years so it's a big deal um i see a film uh elaine delon a film, uh film is coming out on blu-ray called icy breast i don't know how i haven't ever seen this movie but uh, I need to get on that. Did you even know there was a Landon film called uh, Icy Breast? I bet you didn't.
2: Uh, I was I was too busy rubbing it on my own. Hmm.
1: Yes. Or okay. something. All right. So that's all I got. So try it out. Try the option out. Let me know how it goes. You'll see the voicemail link in the show description every week. So if you just want to click on that. But, again, you got to have a uh, – if you try to record a voicemail and then try to send it, it will ask you to create an anchor account. So there is a bit of a, a drawback there if you don't like creating accounts. But, again, I sure. think if you want to communicate with the show, you'll go that extra step. So there we go. Da, da, da. All right. <laughs> Todd, you didn't watch anything, right?
2: Uh, yeah, no. Um, just a couple of TV shows um, like Mayor of Easttown and that, uh, which I'm still loving. But other than that, yeah, no.
1: Yeah, I got to get on that at some point.
2: I'm, it's uh, so good, so good. Kate Winslet, oh my God, do I love that woman. And she's so fucking good in the show.
1: Yeah, she really is good in everything. I haven't seen her in the show, yeah. but um, I can't think of a Kate Winslet performance that I don't like.
2: Yeah, she has never not impressed me.
1: Yeah, even in movies that she's been in that I haven't liked at all. Yes. Um, But she is always good. I mean, always good. Always good to great, actually, would be the... I don't think I've ever seen her put in a bad performance. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. No, I can't either. Um, even in, like I said, even in films I really didn't like at all. I mean, she was wonderful in it. She just, she's just great. Let's just, let's just throw it out there, man. She's just great. I agree. I don't think of icy breast when I think of her. Let's put it that way.
2: I do not. I think of very warm. Um, yeah. Never.
1: Mind. Yeah. The warm bosom. Yes. The warm bosom of motherly love. Kate
2: Winslet. Oh. (laughs) Uh,
1: Okay. Um, Let me get into a few things I watched. Because I did a good few things in this week. Um, So I'll drop those on you right now. If you give me just a second to uh, pull it up here. I watched uh, The Greatest Showman, which is a a musical. Me and my daughter watched this from 2017 can't believe it was four years ago already um we checked it out uh the song uh the theme song uh, my son likes the uh the intro song at least he did when he was younger because he was in a music class to sing it and so it was on my spotify rotation It came on and my daughter's always kind of liked the song too and so i was like well that's in a movie and she's like really and i'm like yeah and so we started watching it she got she got bored a little bit here and there but uh, overall, she enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'll be frank and honest with you. Uh, I didn't expect to enjoy it. This is a uh, Hugh Jackman, uh, big budget uh, musical. Uh, it's, it's nothing, uh, it's nothing, it's not great shakes. I mean, I wouldn't tell anybody to run out there and see it as an example of a great musical. Um, but uh, it, it's good enough. And, you know, it caused me to, the room got a little dusty in a couple spots. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it might have been the father-daughter element that he has two daughters in the movie and, you know, I was watching it with my daughter. I mean, you know, a comp- those kind of combinations can lead to those kinds of things, right?
2: Sure, sure, so, sure.
1: Uh, no shame in my game. I, I got, a, you know, a little emotional there, but it was pretty good. I mean, it, I, I enjoyed it. I really did. Um, I switched gears and watched this new film that folks are kind of chattering about called Nobody. This, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: was it Bob Odenkirk? Is that his name? Uh, yeah, yeah, Bill, Bill. Bob, Bill Bob, Bill Bob, Bill Bo,
2: Mr. Odenkirk. Let's yeah. call him.
1: Yeah, I think it's Bob Odenkirk. I want to say it's Bob. I think you're right. Um, I checked this out. Um, I had, he- I had heard some good things about it, uh, but I wanted to look at it, uh, check it out and see what it was about. And I thought it was going to be because Odenkirk's in it, I thought, well, maybe it'll be kind of a comedic take on uh, action movies and things like that. And it kind of is, but it has a pretty dark sense of humor, to say the least. And uh, it's not a great film, I don't think, but I certainly am not upset that I watched it because I was quite entertained. It has a really nice little twist in it. And for a little while in the movie, I, I didn't even know what was going on. Uh, I kind of did, but I was like, wait a minute, it, it, Things don't seem right. So, but, uh, you know, Bob Odenkirk's got a nice, uh, he's got charisma. And uh, he's playing a pretty dry and pretty droll here. But um, it's 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 well done. The action is well done. Uh, it's, it is hyper-violent. Uh, it's pretty violent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I had a good time with it. I really did. Christopher Lloyd's in here, which was weird to see. You know, I, I see him again. You know, we just did Lone Ranger not so long ago and he was so young. and you know he's he you know he's felt like he's been an old man now since the mid 80s because of the doc brown character right with the Mm -hmm. white hair and the craziness and all that stuff he's always seemed a lot older i think than he actually is but now he is actually getting up there in years and uh, there's some nice turns with his character and the the rizzas in here rza the rizza uh he's in here and uh a few other people are in here um that i won't mention uh i it's it's a fun movie. I had a good time with it. Um, again, not a great movie, but uh, you could do worse. I could say that. Uh, it was nice to see a modern action movie uh, not be completely ridiculous, but at the same time, sort of ridiculous. I don't know if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. I really don't.
2: No, it does. But, it does.
1: Um, but it is directed by the guy that did the hardcore Henry, that uh, first-person I hated that.
2: Hated that movie.
1: Now I know that's more of a I never watched it because first of all that just seems like a short film idea to me.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: And I just don't have any interest in spending more than twenty minutes with something like that. I just don't have any interest in it. And I know that people are like, you know, well, you should check it out and everything. And I and I get that. But sometimes you just know what you're interested in and what you're not. (laughs) Sure. I don't really like first person video games. Uh, so I don't really like first person movies, so I just, I, I have no interest in first person perspectives. Um, it looked cool in the trailer and stuff and the trailer is all it needed. So that, that's what I'll say about that. But, uh, obviously this guy's got talent, um, um, because this film is very well shot and very well done. Um, it, but it does kind of feel, I'll say this, it does kind of feel like, uh, because I believe he's, I don't know what country he's from. Um that director. I don't know if he's uh oof, I can't I can't think of what his uh country of origin is and uh shame on me maybe but I just can't think of what it is right now off the top of my head. I'm gonna look because I wanna I wanna know. Uh Ela Nush Nasheler. Nasheller. I feel like he's Nordic of some type. Um don't know that for a fact. Um uh, I'm just gonna go with it.
2: <laughs> yeah. i with that.
1: And uh but yeah, he uh he's got he's got some talent. He's a young guy. But the movie does it it does kind of ape 90s and, you know, the early aughts action movies in a way too. Um so, you know, definitely stuff he's grown up on. You can kind of sense it there. Uh anyway, last thing I watched uh, this week was uh Mean Man, the uh story of Chris Holmes. Uh which is uh who is the guitarist for Wasp?
2: oh okay yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah for those of you who don't know who chris holmes is he's got the infamous scene in decline of western civilization part two where he's in the pool getting drunk with his mom sitting on the outside of the pool
2: that's so fantastic
1: yes he's just uh completely destroying his liver and his body um mm-hmm. um it's it's a, it, this is a pretty good documentary it's it's i think you dig it, it it's very matter of fact and very it doesn't, obviously, it doesn't do any of the, uh, when I say I think you dig it, I always laugh because of my head, I think, well, Todd will dig it because it doesn't have animation in it, but <laughs> it, it is It is very much a it's kind true. of A cinema verite kind of uh, documentary with them just kind of following Chris Holmes around, who spends most of his time in Europe now because that's probably the only place he's really appreciated, and he's got this band he's in now called Mean Man and stuff, and he was always a talented guitar player and stuff, but I didn't know him and Blackie Lawless hated each other so much. I really didn't know that uh so i found that out watching this documentary so that was something um you know i'm a wasp fan from way back so uh, you know it is always kind of sad to find out that some of the bands you listen to don't get along but it is also a reality because i've been in bands that uh it's one of the toughest environments to for everybody to get along for whatever reason I, you got to get everybody on the same page and it's really tough mm-hmm. um, to have four or five people be in sync like that and you have to be I can tell you from being in bands, you have to be in sync. Uh, not just musically.
2: Wait, like in like in sync?
1: Yeah, like in sync, like Justin Timberlake.
2: Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah.
0: you have to be Makes like sense. that.
1: But no, you you have to be all on the same page and at all times. And it can be very stressful uh, to be that way. And sometimes a person can become dominant uh, very easily. And uh, that can also lead to a lot of stress, so uh but you know it's an interesting documentary um i would say uh check it out if you're a fan of wasp or if you're a fan of chris holmes um i think it's it i think it's all i got my son and i did watch the first episode of the bad batch the uh new star wars animated thing which was it was okay um the star wars animated shows they really need some uh I I like the design, but they really need some they they're much better than they used to be. The early ones were very brown and very uh one note as far as yeah. visuals go. And yep. I have a hard time watching those. But these newer ones, uh looks like they're spending more money on the animation. It's nice. Uh yeah, that's it, man. See, I told you we'd have an intro.
2: Yay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. We're gonna take a short break. Uh come back and uh we'll do the face of terror. I guess we'll do that one first. We usually go in alphabet- uh, alphabetical order. We usually go in uh, chronological order here at the GG TMC. Indeed. So we'll do that here right after this. got a little caught up in the jam, so I was uh, sitting there, I was like, I guess I better turn it down and come back from the break, I guess. So those who don't know me, that's one of my favorite bands, so I tend to, uh, you know, burn one while they're playing, typically. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't burn
2: anything. <laughs> I was going to say, like, peeling rubber. <laughs>
1: I don't, I don't yeah uh you turn the tires into baloney skins that's what i do (laughs) i don't i don't have uh i don't have any time to smoke any weed i mean come on man i don't have time for that shit i'm not saying that I'm, i'm not against it in any way shape or form don't trust me if i could smoke it i'd smoke it every fucking minute but uh the truth is i just don't have time uh i barely have time to drink the coffee i made this morning anyway Yes. Let's get into what we've been, uh, no, what we've been watching, Jesus Christ. What we're reviewing here, Face of Terror, 1962, directed by Isidoro M. Ferry or I. M. Ferry, and also William J. Hole Jr. It's, it's it's rough when you're a J. Hole. That's all I'll say. But it's even <laughs> rougher when you're a J. Hole Jr.
2: It's, yeah. <laughs> Being a junior J. Hole is not. Uh... <laughs>
1: If anybody's, if if there's ever been a show with two junior J-holes, this is it. Let me tell you right now. Uh, Mm. (laughs) um, Okay. Uh, This is also known as La Cara Del Terra. Uh, 1962. It looks like it might have got a U.S. release in 64. It probably got reappropriated and released as kind of an exploitation drive-in movie, I'd imagine.
0: Right, right.
1: Uh, a scientist develops, uh, you know, stop me. If you've heard this before, a scientist develops a serum <laughs> that can eradicate scar tissue. He tries it on a girl with a horribly disfigured face. It succeeds, but then he discovers the girl is an escaped mental patient from a local asylum. Now it sounds, doesn't sound like completely like something you've heard before, but we've definitely seen this story play out a few times. Uh, most recently that I can think of, um, uh, well, the skin I live in kind of had a different angle, but it, it was kind of, it was kind of there. Yeah. Uh, these stories come up every now and then, though these kind of disfigured face uh, or disfigured people, um, getting repairs done and then, uh, horrible things ensue. Uh, but this is, uh, this one's, uh, one I hadn't seen. Uh, had, you seen this before when you picked it or did you just,
2: I, it was completely random. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I you're, you're right about, um this being kind of an angel it, it, it always kind of fascinated me uh that this was you know practically a genre all its own mm. yes. uh, with like variations here or there like for a while and sporadically then after the 60s so yeah yeah like uh, like you said it's gonna live in uh eyes without a face uh faceless uh rabid and so on and so forth yeah um i assume uh that this is you know, always been because you know we get the whole fascination of like plastic surgery and that, but we also get the very large, in my opinion, uh, horror theme of like identity, loss of identity that 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 allows for, it. and that's yeah. that's certainly the case with this movie as well. Yeah, uh, I think that's 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 where this kind of uh, grew out of, and why we why it's so uh, kind of um, pervasive in the in the genre as like a subgenre.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, that yeah, that I agree with that, and I think also there's a. I don't think this is what everybody thinks, but I do think there's a level of us as human beings who are always kind of fascinated by the idea of of uh, being somebody else, or maybe not, sure. or looking like somebody else, maybe somebody we admire, or somebody we, uh, you know, we can't. There's 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 a level of envy there that can lead to uh, horror, and uh, you know, it, it just it, it it's a complicated psychological issue. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think it opens itself up to that. I would mention, well,
2: I think, yeah, but I think that, I think that that's when you get into like more like movies, like, uh, the fan or something like that.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, seconds is a good one too. Obviously the Frank Palmer yeah, film yeah. and then the face of another, which is the Japanese film. Love that. Yeah. That Love might be, that one. that one is unbelievably good. Uh, but mm-hmm. seconds is not bad either. No, uh, no, those no. are some good movies. Matter of fact, you can hear me talk about those on uh episode of the projection booth. Boom. I like that wow pushing those guys (laughs) pushing guys also not a bomb podcast there we go
2: (laughs) any any others you want to squeeze in? (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) trying to push my own show and i'm pushing everybody else's show um so here we go um this one's got lisa gay in it fernando ray um and probably the only other actor i would say people would know offhand is maybe uh, Carlos Casaravilla, Casaravilla, and that's probably because we, we did uh, Death of a Cyclist a while back, and he was yeah. in that. Uh, he's kind of like the uh, the Spanish uh, Buster Keaton, I always say. That's what he looks like to me. And uh, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, cool. It's that guy. He plays Dr. Reich here, which is a weird name. Um, but this movie is appropriated for American audiences, so it's definitely a Spanish film. And you can tell it's Spanish; they're speaking Spanish. But you can also tell some of the actors; it looks like they might be speaking English at the same time. Uh, but it's kind of really. Well, yeah, good.
2: Lisa Gay was uh, was American, I do believe.
1: Yeah, and Lisa Gay, um, folks may not know her. You may know her. I think she was a bit of a pinup girl. I know she was in some rock and roll movies from the '50s. But you got to kind of be into those kind of movies to kind of remember her from those. But I know she was in. I know her from like Rock Around the Clock and. Um. There's another one uh shake rattle Rock, or something maybe i I can't remember the name of it, but she was a looker uh I think she's a very attractive lady um her hair was kind- of, yeah shake rattle rock that was what it was called. How about that? She played a character named June Fitzdingle. What an unfortunate last name that would be in real life. Sorry for any fitzdingles that are listening.
2: Yeah, apologies to the Fitzdingle crew. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hope you're not in Lancaster, where all of our listeners are. Evidently,
2: <laughs> uh, they're very plain.
1: But she would do. Uh, she did a lot of TV. Uh, I know her from a lot of television shows I used to watch on repeat. She would pop up and stuff like you know, I Dream of Jeannie and and uh, you know, Mod Squad stuff like that uh, and Western yeah. stuff. Perry Mason. She was on Perry Mason quite a bit. My grandfather loved Perry Mason, so uh, you know, I'd see these things and see her in them. Um. So she. She, I mean, she's a real. I don't know how you feel about her, but she's she. I think she was very, uh, very attractive, very pretty. Yeah. Um. And uh, you can see why they kind of put her in this role because, you know, one of the caveats of this role too is to take a, an attractive person, kind of make them ugly with makeup, and then obviously, then when you, um, put the uh, plastic surgery involved, then they're this goddess, right? You know, they're they're unbelievable. So that's the case here. He uh, lays some latex down, he being Fernando Ray, Dr. Charles Taylor. Yeah, I hope he wears Chuck Taylors. And uh, <laughs> he uh, puts some plastic on her face and everything else, and then I mean, all of a sudden she's gorgeous. Yes. Uh, so it kind of skips the real science, for uh, lack of a better word, uh, and kind of just gets into the like the straight horror elements of science. So it's, it's not mad scientists, I would say, but certainly uh, – groundbreaking scientist. So, you know, nobody believes yeah. in him, uh, yeah. friend and a right character. Nobody believes him, only him and his assistant slash girlfriend slash whatever she is.
2: Uh, yeah, I think she's his, uh, his squeeze.
1: Yeah. Uh, only them, them two believe in what they're doing. And then of course, uh, Norma Borden, who's the Lisa gay character, she believes in what he's been doing, but she's desperate. So
2: what... well, I love that, you know, Borden, uh, you know, kind of skirts very close to Lizzie. Yeah, it does. Borden. Yeah, it does. Um, and I also love, yeah, like how you're saying, uh, you know, the doctor uh, Ray, uh, he invents this, you know, revolutionary method all by his lonesome, uh, and the hospital board like sits there and berates him and turns him away, and turns him away because, you know, God forbid, uh, he feels entitled to make a profit off of his work, and of yeah. course, they call this ethics, but you know, that's all yeah. another conversation. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but the the truth is, this movie it takes a lot of its, it takes a lot of time to set itself up. Uh, which, yes. Yeah i was kind of surprised by um i thought you know 80 something minutes it'll it'll get going pretty quickly but it actually it takes quite a while to get going as far as the juice of the story goes but i think it's interesting the way it sets itself up and these stories have always kind of fascinated me quite a bit you know these changing yourself externally but obviously you're still the same person underneath type stories uh, Yeah. Uh, or you know even even the you know, the reverse of that, which is kind of like the Jekyll and Hyde thing, which is kind of like, you know, man's true nature coming out and all that kind of stuff. Those kind of things always fascinate me. That tends to be where I go for my horror uh, typically um, because I believe there is a. I honestly, personally, I believe there's a fine line between, you know, people being, you know, crossing over into crazy um, pretty easily. I don't think it takes as much as people think it does to uh, lose your mind. Um <laughs> Just you know deal with the, the world sometimes, and if you can't deal with it it'll it'll drive you crazy yes. um but I like that that story element um and I like that the Lisa gay character is it, it's not a secret that she's a uh, I'm not giving anything away here or spoilery or anything by saying that she's a patient she's out cl- uh, you know clipping some bushes and she overhears all the stuff that uh, Fernando Ray's talking about, and uh she kind of follows him home, so obviously she's off right from the get-go. Um, but we find out through the story and stuff that she's essentially a sociopath, um, who couldn't be more selfish really in a lot of ways and couldn't be more disturbed in some ways and is willing to go as far as she needs to go to, uh, to be accepted not only by others, but by herself as well. So it gets into some, uh, psychology there, even though this is a, uh, for lack of a better term, kind of a cheapy you know, Spanish exploitation movie like we said that was kind of reappropriated probably for like the B movie reel at a double feature or something. But like a lot of these movies too, uh I think it's deeper than uh it realized it probably was at the time. Um, yeah, yeah, no,
2: I agree with you on that.
1: Um and and that's that's always kind of fascinating to me. Um, you know, cuz 50s and 60s movies I think, you know, that's when Hollywood was really figuring out they needed to get butts and seats and because now they're dealing with TV, and they're dealing with all these other these other entertainment dollar type situations. So they got to get people in the theaters, or they got to get people to the drive-in. So they need some, um, you need some skin, you need some, uh, you know, some excitement, some violence. You need more of that to get people to the cinema, you know. And that's where you get the rise of the exploitation movie in a lot of ways uh, in the mid '60s and late '60s, and then of course you know horror movies become more and more violent uh movies with nudity in them the nudity becomes more frank and honest and or maybe even just uh more titillating for lack of a better word but again you're trying to get people in seats and there's a level of that in any movie history whether people want to admit it or not there's a level of that right now i think we're going for uh big explosions and buildings i think i made a joke before that the, the exploitive element right now is you know again everybody just kind of standing and looking at the sky uh that's in you know that that that's taking the place of boobs and roger corman movies it's everybody turns around and looks at a green screen and things blow up mm-hmm. um that seems to be where people get their excitement right now but there's something to be said for these old exploitation films in that they take their time setting their story up And just kind of uh, easing through it in a way. And this one does. This one takes a lot of time. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, once the Lisa Gay character gets the procedure done, now she's going to get out into the world a little bit. Um, She does something awful to get out there, but once she gets out there, she's going to take her time. She's going to find a job. She's going to quote unquote live a normal life. But because she's psychologically damaged, which they eventually mention in the story, we know that she's a a fragile person. So we know that. It's not going to take much for things to go sideways. And they do a pretty good job also of kind of foreshadowing that she's going to have to have this solution at all times or else the plastique or plastic will dry up and she will be exposed for this, uh, you know, this uh, deformity that she has on her face, which then turns into this almost Phantom of the Opera type thing. And Mm -hmm. it's very interesting. And I feel like this this makeup that Lisa Gay, were, I feel like this the makeup and her are probably more popular than this movie. I feel like I've seen it in other, like, people talking about, you know, like documentaries about horror movies from the 60s and, and things like that. I feel like I've seen it before. Uh, I don't know if I have, but when I saw her, I was like, wow, I feel like I've seen that in either in literature form or in a, in a documentary of some sort. I feel like well, I've I seen think,
2: that. Uh, I, I think what it is is uh, it looks kind of reminiscent of something from, um, what the fuck was it, Black Sleep? mm uh Yeah. With the, uh, the deformities uh, and the makeups in that movie. Yeah. Uh, is what it reminded me of, but I, 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 I would say that uh, for me personally, uh, yeah, it was familiar, but definitely not specific.
1: Yeah. I feel like I just had seen her uh, before, but maybe again you know with so many films that we see and so many things that we see it it's possible that i didn't and then i thought to myself well maybe i had seen this before maybe i would seen the stayed up late one night uh, you know cuz we are old enough to remember the uh, them running these b movies on regular tv late at night you know oh, yeah. on yeah. certain channels and stuff and um uh, i feel like i would seen it before but i watched you know watching the entire film uh, i didn't know the ending was coming and it's a pretty it's a pretty punctual ending so i don't i think i would have remembered it i mean i know my memory's not great but i tend to remember the basics of any movie i see um and i don't remember any of this so i i really enjoyed it i mean i thought the movie was really solid i mean i i I, I, i'd say if there's any drawback to it is it, it is it is very talky uh
2: it is chatty uh yeah but i mean i think that that comes from from being kind of like um bridging the gap between the 50s and 60s uh in terms of these sort of things where you know the 50s would be a little bit more chatty yeah and a little more uh um deliberately paced let's say
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways i mean yeah i mean it's a movie of its time uh so it is sure. it is very chatty and and, and, and I, don't, I didn't expect it to be, you know, again, I didn't expect it to be nobody, the film I watched this week. I didn't expect it to be something like that, which is more of a modern sure. film. But um, I guess uh, it does take a while to get to the, uh, the more exploitive elements of the story. So if you're not ready for that, um, it might kind of draw. And another thing is I don't know how readily available this is out there to watch. Uh, I know I had a tough time finding it. Uh, it is on Amazon Prime. I just saw that uh, you can rent it for a dollar ninety nine on Amazon Prime. So,
2: uh, yeah, yeah.
1: So there's that. Um, I don't know if it has a DVD or a Blu-ray release. I feel like it might have at some point, but
2: not that I'm aware of. It also is free on Tubi. I do believe.
1: Oh, there we go. Uh, uh, I,
2: might, I might be. I might be incorrect about that. Hmm. Um, so don't quote me, please. But
1: Tubi is pretty good about uh, putting. Um, Spanish films on there. They got quite a few. I don't know if they got a deal with Spain or what, or if they just kind of <laughs> went in there and grabbed a bunch of Spanish stuff and uh, Spain doesn't know about it yet. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Whatever the case. I mean, uh, yeah. I, but I would recommend people uh, search it out, especially if you like these kind of stories. Like if you like the films we talked about earlier, then you would definitely probably get something out of this because although I don't think it's groundbreaking, I think Lisa Gay is really good in the lead role. Um I think Fernando is really good as the doctor. And yeah, and-, uh, and the guy that played the detective was really solid as well. Um I'm looking for his name here. I'm trying to find it. Inspector Hopkins here, Emilio Rodriguez. I liked yeah. him quite a bit as well. He had a really nice look and a nice performance. And obviously Carlos Casaravilla. He's uh he's not in it a whole lot, but he's good every time he's on screen. But yeah, I would definitely recommend people check this out. I I'm glad we watched it for the show. I'm I'm always Happy when we come across these like kind of hidden gems from the past because uh you know every now and then you can kind of beat yourself up because you feel like you've seen everything yeah um especially those of us who pursue or it feels like we're looking to try to see everything so it's nice when you kind of go back even if it's a film from five years ago it's nice when somebody says hey you should check out this and you go back and you're like oh that was kind of cool so I, i would definitely recommend this one uh i don't know if there's a i'd have to i don't know if there's a good Really great print of it
2: out there, uh, not that I've ever seen. And by the way, it is uh, it is also available on YouTube. So mm. for those who would there we like- go, there we go.
1: So, but it it um, it doesn't really have a whole lot of style to it. So you probably won't need a really no. good transfer to get because it, it's it's very story heavy.
2: Yes, has a great yeah.
1: po- has a great poster too, man. Talk about a poster! I wouldn't mind having in my movie area. I love those old <laughs> uh, '60s posters like this.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Almost like Hammer Horror kind of poster.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, definitely, uh, it's a, definitely a recommend for me. I'll kick it over to you see what you got to say about
2: it. All right. All uh, right. Well, a couple things. Um, yeah, I, I kind of picked the movie uh, strictly because uh, we hadn't done anything from Spain in a little bit. Uh, and I wanted to. <laughs> and it was just kind of one of those things. Uh, Did where, we just, uh, didn't we
1: just do a movie from Spain last week?
2: I know. it's. Don't quote me on these things. Um, but... Um, <laughs>
1: But also, <laughs> in fairness to you, that was diabolic, and we didn't know we were going to get those. We never know when we we're going to get those because of the mail service and everything else. So, yeah, yeah. Todd, Todd had uh, picked actually pick Face of Terror almost uh, almost a, a month ago. Back. Yeah, almost a yeah. month ago. Yeah.
2: So. Hi, Bear. Um, so come on, get out of here, man. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I got uh, the other thing is that um. Yeah, it just was one of those things that uh, just looked appealing uh, to, to get out there because I hadn't seen it and was kind of interested in just kind of poking at it. Um, so, yeah, I, I got to say that, you know, there there are some pretty nice opening credits to this thing, uh, which, you know, I thought there was a lot more effort going on there uh, than I had initially expected. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of impressive. Uh, the movie, it, uh, it, you know, jumps in and it glides past any, uh, like, technical exposition that we may need. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty swiftly in that, uh, in that category, partly so we don't really scrutinize the flimsiness of it. uh, And partly so that we just, you know, we have just enough bullshit uh, that we can buy into so we can get to the good stuff we want to see. I mean, I would, I would uh, definitely agree that uh, that plastic surgery can do a lot for helping people, you know, reclaim their dignity and self-respect and all that sort of thing. And I'm talking here about, you know, non-celebrities for whom, you know, it of course destroys uh, these things. Um so you know that much I can I can respect about the uh, the the basic premise of the movie the, the basic motivation of the uh, the Fernando Rey character um uh, but the film also does kind of play uh fast and loose with the uh the level of mental rehabilitation uh that the process can actually achieve obviously uh you know it's, it's not uh this is not a deep uh, intense psychodrama uh as much as it is kind of like you said uh you know well, kind of this nice little
0: yeah. I mean
1: I think it's I think you know medical procedures I mean obviously you know there's a whole I mean David Cronenberg's made a whole career out of it right? I mean there's Oh god yeah. There's so much you know not just plastic surgery but any kind of medical procedure or disease can lead to both uh wonderful uh rejuvenation or it can lead to dark and criminal uh behavior. So I think it's I think it's it's an, it's a very human story element that I think yes. works very well.
2: Like, yeah. 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 And, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of another thing that drew me to, uh, to pick in the movie. Um, you know, the idea that this, this woman, the, uh, the, uh, Lisa gay character, uh, is, you know, she's nuts before and after the surgery. Uh, and again, this goes to the old, you know, the old saying of, uh, beauty, skin deep, to the bone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the premise kind of allows for the uh, the movie to be a little more distinct uh, than some others with the same or similar uh, sort of concepts, I think. Uh, because we always say, you know, not to trust a book by its cover, uh, but how often do people actually live up to that motto? Um, so, yeah, Fernando Ray, uh, he's here's a guy who, you know, he worked a lot with uh, Louis Bunuel uh obviously and he gives uh as usual really uh a pretty strong uh and measured performance uh which i was kind of impressed by uh you know i always like it when you get actors like him and stuff like this where you know that they're you know just absolute um consummate professionals uh and you can clearly see them giving this as much uh of their effort as something with uh with a bit more uh, prestige uh, and you know, the rest of the, the rest of the cast, uh, falls in with that as well. Uh, for the most part, like, you know, Lisa gay, uh, uh, who, you know, and, and I mentioned this before she was American by birth. Uh, I think she, she manages to do, um, uh, desperation and mania and gratitude, uh, equally well, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she, yeah, she, I think she, she acquits herself nicely, uh, yeah. in yeah. the, uh, the titular, uh, role, the mm-hmm. titular face that she is. Um, I think that you know naturally you can see where the, and how this thing is going to go uh not only because of what's revealed about uh, Norma the least character's uh, background uh but because we know that you know when you mess around in, in you know like god's domain uh as you know mad but uh, well-intentioned scientists um so often do uh things aren't going to turn out well and I think that you know inevitably um the uh, the scars uh that uh, that norma originally had are going to resurface in some way shape or form because that's ultimately uh her true self on the inside um and i think that, that goes back to what you said you know that that's kind of the uh, the nature of uh of being human in uh, in a certain way um it's just you know having this uh, the this stuff be reflected on the uh the outside from the inside uh, It's a very uh, nice cinematic um trope let's say yeah. Uh, for want of a better term. Yeah. Uh another interesting thing here is that uh the Fernando Ray character, you know, he tries to do the right thing uh when he finds out uh, Norma's situation, even though, you know, it's at least you know partly to cover his own ass. Um and you know, also things don't, you know, stay secret as much as I expected them to, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, the cops get involved pretty quickly uh in the movie and uh, and the film then, you know, turns into more or less a manhunt. Uh, with the uh, the Norma character out searching for work as if nothing had happened, uh, you know she's trying to live a normal life, which is you know both kind of scary and pathetic, uh, as she's basically just fooling herself. And we know this is the audience, but you know obviously she doesn't. Uh, and this also lets uh, uh, fairy uh, play with the uh, the more uh, predatory aspects of the men that uh, Norma runs into, uh, as is the case with this type of story you know otherwise, what's the point uh so you know you do kind of feel uh, your guts twist a little bit uh when things with uh with uh, the matt character played by uh, and I'm gonna mispronounce this, so forgive me uh vargilio texiera yeah uh you know it, my guts twisted a little bit when uh when things with him uh, are going so well uh towards the end of the movie um because of that uh it, it this doesn't really feel uh i think like a horror film per se even though you know that's how it was built and advertised obviously yeah uh i do think that it's it, it is much more psychological or melodramatic you know even ambitious um than like your standard pot boiler uh even though it it does still play by a lot of those rules um you know, I think at the end of the day, I don't think that this is—I don't think it's a barn burner, uh, by, any, by any stretch. It's not—it's uh, not reinventing the wheel or or anything like that. It's not—it's uh, not especially, you know, lightning paced, as we said earlier. Uh, which you know, kind of, I think is probably its biggest flaw, uh, if anything, uh, is that it is just a little bit draggy for a, an eighty-nine minute or a seventy-nine minute movie or whatever. Um, you know, it, it's not, uh, extremely exploitive or salacious, uh, that, you know, the body count is pretty damn low. Um, in fact, I think it's best described as, uh, as a psychodrama. Uh, and for that much, you know, uh, I, I think it works pretty nicely. Yeah. Um, this is, uh, this is another one of those movies that, uh, you can't really say that you you recommend or, or i can't really say that i recommend but that you're happy that it exists because it is its own thing yeah uh and i think that that's to be appreciated when so much else of uh genre genre material uh tends to simply play the formula mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean i on the one hand I, I would recommend it uh as being just a little bit you know stand outish from the crowd um and uh and like i said I, I do think it's ambitious, and I really really appreciate that about it um but by that same token, i mean yeah, it does have pacing issues it does have uh some uh some nuts and bolts issues uh that i think could have been uh, could have been ratcheted up a bit uh but I liked it overall too uh so you know i'm uh, I'm with you on uh, on a lot of that um and that's uh yeah that that's all that I got on it as well, so yeah, kick it over to you for for make or breaks in that
1: all right um Make a break scene. Yeah, I, that that that's a little tough, I think, because yeah. there's there's a lot of good scenes in here, but nothing really kind of stands out. I, I tell you what, I did like though. I did like the scene in the convertible car. Uh, well, I like the scene where her face is starting to deteriorate, mm-hmm. and I like how that's handled, and um. Just everything that's 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 done with that one. I, I, I like that. Uh, the lighting's really good there. If, if the movie has any style, it's it's right there, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a pretty good, pretty solid scene. There's a lot of good scenes in the movie though, but it is very talk heavy, so you got to be kind of prepared for that. Um, uh, my, my I'm gonna go with uh, Lisa Gay. I don't know if I'll be able to give it to her. Any you know, somebody like her, a B movie actress, kind of a TV B movie actress. I don't think I'd ever be able to give her uh, anything ever again. And I really liked her in this movie. I really did. Wish, I thought she did wish. a really good job of portraying this, you know, damaged character and uh, was really impressed with what she did. I mean, Fernando Ray, he'll probably come up on the show again at some point. I mean, he's been on the show before in other movies because he didn't really say no to a lot of movies. He was kind of. No, uh, kinda he was like, a working actor. He was a working actor. He kind of did everything. But mm-hmm. um, she kind of bowed out at some point. Of the public eye and she just died like five years ago so she lived a nice long life i think if she had children i think she just kind of walked away from the business but um yeah she's striking in this and i thought she was really good and i think she does a real good job of taking this character through its kind of full arc so i have to give her credit for that and uh my score for the movie is a seven out of ten i enjoyed this thing
2: wow i liked it
1: yeah i liked it uh, quite a bit you know, it, it helps. Right. It helps. It's you know, it's only, it's only an eighty-three minute movie. I mean, it's it's a nice yeah. little short, kind of breezy, old school, um, kind of horror film. Uh, maybe horror film is no. I think it's a horror film. I think it is.
2: It, I think it, that yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there's there's. I think you could you could slap a, a few labels on this thing and be accurate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, and that's kind of what I like about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um so yeah, make a break for me. Uh I'm going to go with the ending. Um I think that it works for what the movie is as well as, you know, on an uh, emotional level. Um I mean, you 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 do care about what happens to the characters by this point. Uh and you know, that's uh that takes some investment. Uh and it takes some talent to to get you to there. Uh and plus you get a very nice um Spanish-style catfight. Uh so uh there's that as well. Um uh, for all you uh, muchachos out there uh mbt i'm gonna go with the story which was uh by monroe manning uh who wrote a whole lot of tv um i think that it's uh just enough of a, a fresh take on this type of uh, uh story that uh, i was happy with it in that regard uh, and score for me i'm a little bit under you i'm a 6.5 out of 10 um yeah i mean it's uh it's worth seeing, uh, just for uh, just for its uh, its freshness on this uh, on this sort of uh, thing. Um, but yeah, it does it does have some issues, and, and like we said, it I mean it is it is chatty. So if you're not uh, if you're used to stuff that's a little more um, lightning paced, uh, then this would uh, kind of I think might put you off a little bit. But
1: it's a little bit of a chatty Cathy kind of movie.
2: It is a little bit, a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, check it out. Uh, If you guys get a chance, especially if you're into that kind of kind of subgenre, I think you'll like it a lot more if you're really into that subgenre that we kind of talked about the face of another
2: uh, or scalpel
1: second scalpel. Yeah, was a good example. Uh, I mean, this this will come out. This will come up again, I'm sure, on the show at some point because it's a it's a theme that, you know, every now and then kind of rears its uh, rears its ugly head uh, for lack of a better term there. (laughs) All right. We're going to take a short break we're going to come back and talk about top secret from 1984 we'll be back right after this There we go. A little Val Kilmer for you. So for those who don't know, uh Val's a pretty good singer. He uh sang in this film, but he also sang in obviously the Doors movie as well. So he's uh he's not bad. He's not bad. He's pretty good at it.
2: He's no, got a nice voice.
1: Yeah, he does. Um all right, so this is Top Secret from 1984, or Top Secret? From 1984.
2: Uh, yes, there is an explanation, uh,
1: kind of like them. <laughs> yeah, This is Abram Zucker and Zucker, uh parody of World War II spy movies in which an American rock and roll singer becomes involved in a resistance plot to rescue a scientist imprisoned in East Germany. So it's basically a parody of um, World War Two movies like The Great Escape and things like that, but also Elvis movies yeah. in, a, in a weird way because that's one of the first things I think of when I see this is uh, – it's well not only because of Kilmer's performance, but it just feels like an Elvis movie too. It's kind of ridiculous and um but uh you know if you grew up of a certain age and you remember the the zucker and abrams uh spoofs uh in their glory years um this is this is one of the more underseen ones i think um really, I picked this for the show strictly because I just wanted to rewatch it I'd seen it come across <laughs> my it had come across my Amazon prime thing quite a few times. And I was just like, you know, I'm kind of in the mood for something silly like this. And, uh, I'm a big spoof fan. I love airplane. I love hot shots. I love the Naked gun films and the police squad show. I loved it. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of this stuff. I even love the, the lesser Abrams and Zucker stuff such as mafia and, and things like that. But there's a Jane Austen's mafia. I think is what they call that one. um, The tagline for this movie is great. It's called... uh, The tagline is, A Film. So, (laughs) uh, (laughs) their sense of humor makes me laugh. It always has. And uh, it's politically incorrect. And thank God it is. uh, Because, uh, you know, we should all be able to make fun of ourselves at all times. Indeed. Um, And that's what I think the Zucker and Abrams guys always got right. They always got right that we should make fun of everything that we do because... We take ourselves way too seriously, uh, and that's part of our problem. I think, as a culture and as a uh, as a race, uh, a total human race that is. Um, I don't know how many times you'd seen this. I'd seen it more than a handful. Uh, uh yeah. Uh, but uh, let's see what we can do. Let's we'll see how we can review this thing. Let's see if we can get into it here.
2: Whew. Okay, gotta loosen up. Whew. Shake it off. Shake it off. And. Scene. Okay, so, uh, yeah, this one uh, this one follows in the wake uh, of the uh, success that uh, Zucker, Zucker, and Abrams, uh, the thrupple, uh had with uh, Airplane and, and Kentucky Fried Movie. Uh, and, you know, this one did wind up being a box office failure, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, you know, and I've always thought of it uh, as, uh, you know, kind of like you kind of hinted at here uh it's this was sort of the black sheep of their output mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and i i think that it tanked partly because uh it it hues closer to Kentucky Fried Movie than it does to Airplane yeah uh now okay so airplane had a plot uh and a very clear thing that it was parodying mm-hmm. uh which was also very topical you know the 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 Concord Airport 79 came out only a year earlier than Airplane did mm-hmm. uh and disaster movies were still very much a thing uh from the likes of you know Irwin mm-hmm. Allen um but top secret is much more of a uh, a mashup uh, in a couple of senses like obviously in, like you like you already said it's it's a combo of uh world war 2 picture and elvis movies um which is really a brilliant concept uh but i think that what it it does in that regard is that it it shows a bit of indecision uh on the part of the creators mm-hmm. um you know i think that these uh genre based period comedies make it innately a bit easier for audiences to go along, you know, like with the uh, young Frankenstein blazing saddles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've never been able to put my finger on why exactly that is. Uh, but as of right now, it's only a working theory. Um, but I think that, you know, the, the approach that they take here is closer to Kentucky fried movie. Uh, in that this is, you know, much wilder. It's more insane. It's almost skit based. Mm-hmm. Um, and skit based movies tend toward being uneven. Um, but all that being said, I personally have always loved top, secret, top secret. And I, I dare say, uh, that it may in fact be my favorite of the, uh, the ZZA movies, Zucker, Zucker Abrams movies. Um, so, but that, yeah, that's kind of why I think that it didn't, uh, that it didn't do as well. Uh, as, uh, as some of their other stuff, mm. um, mm. it's just that, that weird, uh, sort of, uh, you know, it, well, I've already explained it. Uh, you know, of course, you know, this thing is, uh, you know, it's obviously, uh, birthed out of the, uh, the legacy of, uh, Mad Magazine and all of their movie parodies, um, as I believe is almost all of uh, Zucker, Zucker, and Abrams' uh, work. Yeah. Uh you know, man, I miss those parodies so much. I yeah. miss, I miss, I miss Mad Magazine being funny and relevant too. Yeah. Uh, but that's a whole other conversation.
1: Well, it was uh, a, it was a cultural. The great thing about Mad Magazine, and even to a lesser degree, Cracked Magazine. But I love crack. Yeah, I love cracked as well. I think cracked doesn't get enough credit. I mean it really is It really doesn't. It really yeah. is the ugly stepchild of Mad Magazine. But yeah, yeah, we yeah. loved uh, well,
2: it gave John Severin how many years of work, so Yeah.
1: It really is something that me and you and kids of our generation grew up loving because there there are movies that I read the parody uh before I saw the film. Oh yeah. Uh in Mad Magazine or Cracked Magazine, and those some of those uh parodies are better than the films i saw <laughs> yeah yeah
2: they really are but it,
1: uh, i think what we miss in our culture right now is we one of the things i loved about mad magazine and cracked magazine and even spoof movies is is they're critiquing our culture and and kind of working through that while being funny i don't think spoofs get enough well, I credit think, for that I think-
2: I think what it is is this. I think that – I think that – and this is only my personal opinion – is that it seems to me that uh, comedy nowadays has to make a point. Mm. Yes. Rather than be funny. The first rule of comedy should be be funny, not make a point. Nobody gives a shit about what your personal views are on X, Y, or Z per se. Right. we want you to, to entertain us. We want you to make us laugh. If if you're more concerned with the, that first part of it, then the other part of it ain't going to work. Right. And I think that that's a lot of what you get in comedy now is that it has to be, you know, everything has to be a political zing yeah. rather than be, you know, funny. Yeah. Uh, and then they – because they think that those are, like, interchangeable. Like, to mm-hmm. – to, and they're, they're really not. Yeah. I think you could you can do those things through comedy obviously and people have and people always you know obviously it can work uh but i think that you know i think that the 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 emphasis tends to be on that over being funny more and more often these days and i think that that's a mistake um but you know well fuck do i know i'm not a comedian
1: yeah but there's all there's also the element I, i think carlin i can't remember if it was carlin or maybe robin williams or somebody but there's also the element of comedy, and I'm not going to get too much on my high horse here, but I'm just going to say this. You know, to make fun of what is happening in the world uh, also raises awareness. It doesn't mean that you don't take it seriously. It means that you are raising awareness for something. And I think that's, that, that has gotten lost in sure. in our modern kind of, you know, reactive culture that we have now that we've lost track of, you know, we only talk about it in a reactive way. We don't talk about it in a proactive way. And I think comedy was a proactive way to talk about society's ills. And that's what it was Mm -hmm. always designed to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been there since the beginning of time as the court jester. It's been there since the beginning of time. I mean, the court jester would tell jokes about the, the King and the, you know, the princes and everything else. And, you know, potentially could lose his head. Right. Um, But you're, you're pushing boundaries because you're raising awareness to political turmoil or other issues in our culture that are right, important right. to talk about but nobody wants to talk about them.
2: Well, but here's here's the thing and I think that this is and you kind of you know you kind of uh sparked this in my head now is that I think that I think that now, you know, these these discussions, these comedic uh, attempts, let's say, uh seem to me to come more out of they seem to be more driven by anger. Yeah than anything else like mm-hmm. the anger overtakes the comedy and yeah. they think that that's you know because of that yeah that that allows for the it, 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 it it's a, does it make sense what i'm saying because yeah, i don't no. know if i'm being as clear as i, I, I would know it I, does I, as it is in my head
1: no no it does i think also the thing about comedy nowadays is and this has nothing to do with politics but i think it's just a personal taste thing um i think comedy feels like it has to be loud all the time now sure yeah. and i think this is a great example of i think I think comedy is at its best when it's subtle. Yes. And I think one of the things that the modern spoof can't get right is subtlety. Is that a word? I think it is. not an easy word to say for some weird reason this morning, but (laughs) I think subtle kind of looks to camera and letting the audience figure out the joke. I think a lot of that is gone. I I like, you know, I'm not saying it's not out there. I'm sure it is, but you know, there are moments in, in Zucker and Abrams films. There's lots of moments where you will miss the joke completely if you're not paying attention. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they, well, they, uh,
1: they bury the joke, and they yeah. expect you to dig it out.
2: Well, okay, and that, and that you know, yeah, okay, so I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. I, you know, I, I always forget uh, about, uh, with what you're saying here, um, I always forget about Peter Cushing's cameo in this thing. Yeah. Um, but then every time that I see it, I'm reminded of just how bizarre it is, <laughs> yeah. uh, visually and stylistically. The makeup is horrific on its own but the okay. whole thing plays backwards so you know it just comes <laughs> off as creepy and unsettling but yeah. uh, you know I also appreciate this yes um, it's so random and, and that's one of the things that I love as as uh, you know as well as all this the random stuff going on in the background. Uh, that are, it's never commented on at all. Like, you know, Kilmer getting fitted for a tuxedo while, uh, you know, the Nazis are getting their dinner table or or the people who, uh, fly down and take a shit on a a giant statue of a pigeon in the background. Yeah. You know, it's, it's throwaway (laughs) stuff, Yeah. but it adds to the lunacy and you have to bear in mind, you know, that somebody thought that up and had to orchestrate it, you know, the dedication, Mm -hmm. uh, to the craft of comedy here is something that I, I really, really appreciate. Uh, and stuff like this, you know, the willingness to go that far for just a a throwaway fucking, you know, (laughs) zinger or something, is just, it's, it's amazing to me. Um, but getting back to, you know, about, you know, parodies and Mad Magazine and all that, you know, it's, it's, it's like I've always said that, uh, you know, I, I think that parodies work best when they actually function as decent examples of the genres that they're sending up. Uh, and I think that this miraculously does that on both sides of the coin. Uh, you know, I, I found it uh, pretty easy to forgive this thing for the uh, anachronistic uh, nature of a World War II movie paired with a 50s, 60s team party movie. Uh, and in, in fact, I think that that's one of the things that makes this so unique uh, is that it doesn't really blink uh, in the face of its disparities. Um, and I love that about it, you know. Um so getting over to Mr. Kilmer, I, I read that, uh, that he showed up to the audition for this thing dressed as Elvis, uh, <laughs> and I find that interesting then uh, that he would later play the ghost of Elvis in True Romance. Um, yeah. But, uh, but one of the qualities that he had, uh, Mr. Kilmer, particularly in his early career, uh, was this certain level of um, gormless wise-assery. Mm-hmm, uh right. that he would focus like a laser uh in uh, in real genius uh like a year or two down the road right. a film which i unabashedly uh adore yeah, it's a good uh, and and top gun uh and of course you know this was all before he started believing his own press and all that crap that came with that yeah um before he got, he liked, got a little he got a little goofy he did get a little goofy uh he's come back around thank god yeah uh, but of course now it's, you know, and this a little, is a little too late, but yeah,
1: we should say this is his film debut. This is his first movie.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I always, I always did like that, you know, he could do these kinds of deceptively airheaded performances uh, and still manage to be charming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that was something that he, he just had, he had the, the it factor, I think, yep. uh, in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and you know, okay. So, and kind of like what we've we've uh, we've already said here. You know, naturally, it goes without saying that, you know, I I don't think that uh, some of the comedy here would fly today. And also, naturally, I find it kind of um, uh, tiresome that that statement should even be in the review of a dumb comedy. But you know, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, there are a couple of uh, there's a couple tit jokes. There's a pretty funny boner joke. Uh, there's a pretty funny, uh, transgender joke. There's the anal intruder, uh, <laughs> yeah. of course. Uh, and of course the whole thing with of the Holocaust, uh, you know, but of course, uh, Hogan's Heroes had already, uh, cleared the way for this and, you know, World War II comedies. Yeah. In fact, most World War II movies, uh, using a genre approach at all, uh, usually just stick to a very high level, you know, Nazis are bad approach, which everyone can agree with. And of course that's the case here. Um, so yeah, uh, there's that, uh there's uh, you know I, looking at this thing well trying to look at it critically, uh, I noticed that on a on a technical level uh this is actually very, very well made mm. um There are shots and camera moves in this thing that are extremely thoughtful yeah uh the sets are you know really opulent when it's uh, when it's needed uh the editing is on point and super tight I mean you wouldn't expect that from a comedy uh but i would argue that the uh the uh the professionalism uh in this regard only helps to sell it uh sell the uh the the funnies uh in this thing mm-hmm. um so to to do uh of all the members of the uh, the french resistance that we uh, we wind up meeting my favorite has always been uh jim carter's deja vu uh <laughs> he just he has this great look to him uh and he gets one of the most memorable moments in the film when he does his little sneezing bit Yes. Uh, it, I mean, it never fails to crack me up. Mm-hmm. Uh, which maybe just points out, you know, just how infantile I am. But so be it. <laughs> um, that said, we do get some uh, some sizable, uh And I'm and no pun intended. Homoeroticism. Yes. Uh, with the uh, the Nigel character, who's obviously a send up of Chris Atkins uh, from Blue Lagoon. Yes. Uh, who's who's so blatantly oiled up, uh, he might <laughs> as well be an past.
1: Yeah, I but, mean he uh, he uh yeah, he may as well be like in the GGT TMC Hall of Fame. Like it's almost a oh, parody of uh Italian actors. Yeah, and yeah, uh, you yeah. know, Italian uh, like a uh, almost like uh gladiator films in a weird way. I mean, he's in <laughs> he is head to toe covered in oil.
2: Yeah, he really is. I
1: think the funny thing about the joke for me about that is too is that he just kind of hangs around in his loincloth. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And obviously, <laughs> he's got the yeah, he's got the the uh the coral necklace and all that shit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So, yeah,
1: I love that kind of stuff. I mean, the the genius of these movies is, you know, turning your brain off and and letting the jokes flow. Um, you know, regardless of uh, what what the jokes stand for, that's the genius of these movies. And I think they work at their best when they just, again, they take what we consider to be so serious and just take it down to its basic, very basic uh look at at human beings and our creativity and everything anything can be made fun of um it's a matter of how you want to do it and how you should do it and it 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 just i I don't know i i enjoy that that was really nice to kind of come into this and just sit back and have them drop joke after joke on me this one doesn't I don't. It's not like Hot Shots. Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part Two. They, they drop. They're dropping jokes like every other joke. Like every other line's a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is a, a bit more subtle, like you said. And yeah, all that stuff's there. I mean, I you you like uh, a Carter, but I, I think I like uh, the guy that uh, plays uh, the guy with a cigarette in his mouth all the time. I can't remember his character's name in the movie. Oh,
2: uh, uh, oh fuck.
1: Is it Ducroix? It's Ducroix. Yeah, it's Ducroix. Harry Ditson's his name. He's great in the movie. He's always chewing on the c- a cigarette. And I love that he, he really accentuates or really exaggerates the French language. <laughs> Look at this. This is a message. You know, <laughs> over there we have croissant, souffle, escargot, and a chocolate mousse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's great. And, uh, you know, Carter's great, too. I mean, actually, the whole gang is great i mean obviously there's a few standouts because they they have to kind of minimize the the game plan for the escape so they bring the most popular characters the jim carter character the uh chocolate moose character Ditson, and of course there's the great abrams and and zucker thing where they reintroduce a character for comedy effect and in this case it's latrine <laughs> who uh keeps popping in and one of the great jokes also from Carter, in my opinion, this whole movie is we really got to stop these afternoon football games, <laughs> you know, which is a great, simple throwaway joke. And, uh, but it's funny and all that stuff works because again, I think this spoofery stuff works at its best What the, what Zucker and Abrams always got right is they, they brought major actors. So, you know, we haven't even really talked about the fact, I mean, well, maybe you did and I didn't hear it, but you, know, you got Omar Sharif in this movie. Yeah. You got uh, Michael Goh, who, um, yeah, you know, he did go through a, a, a level of b movied him and stuff, but he was a well-respected, you know, actor. Um, Val Kilmer's new. But, I mean, a lot of these actors are well-respected actors, and I think that when you take, like, Leslie Nielsen, who created a career out of this spoofery, but for years well, was... he was a, a
2: serious actor for yeah. a long time. Yeah.
1: And I think that's what makes spoofs work, is when the actors have a history of being serious... And they come into it, and they still treat it like a movie. Like Omar Sharif in this movie, he's doing a few uh, little physical bits and stuff. There's a part where he, you know, you forgot your fake doggy poo. Um, <laughs> but, and he does a little, like a little eyebrow raise there. But for the most part, he's playing this character straight. And that's what's so funny about it. And I think that's what's so funny about the Val Kilmer character in this movie is, is that he's, you know he's living in a fantasy world, like he's playing this as straight as can be, and because of the ludicrous material, it's coming off as this spoof performance but yeah all these all the performances in this movie, I think this one might have some of the best performances of any Zucker brother uh in Abrams film because they're just having so much fun with the kind of stereotypes and everything about it
2: yeah 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 um so. Yeah, uh, you talked a little bit earlier about uh, Christopher Lloyd. Uh, and, you know, like his Butch Cavendish in Legend of the Lone Ranger, Nigel uh, has a full scale model and train set to detail out his plan to the Resistance. Uh, but here, at least, it makes sense because we're not meant to take it seriously. So there you go. Uh, yeah. Took a long time to get around to that point. A yeah. um, couple weeks. Uh, reportedly, the original cut of this thing was about. Two hours, and I have to admit that you know while I appreciate that it currently hits the ninety minute sweet spot, uh, I would absolutely love to see the original uh, <laughs> edit of this uh, this thing. Yeah, I would too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean I, I I've always liked this one, uh, and I feel that it still stands up uh, cinematically and comedically. Uh, you know, it, it does the job. It brings me joy every single time I see it, and that's you know good enough for me. Yeah, um, and that's yeah, I mean that's pretty much all that I got. So yeah,
1: um. Yeah, I don't I mean, I don't have a whole lot to add. I think that this movie, you know, if you talk about a genre that, that I maybe uh give forgiveness to more than any other, it's these spoofs of the early eighties, uh late seventies. I mean, I love the Kentucky Fried movie too. I love that one as well. Um Yeah. Yeah. I think I've always enjoyed ludicrous, ridiculous humor. I've I've always enjoyed that. And obviously I, I find it kind of profound um and and I like the critique on humanity because I honestly I do think we take ourselves too seriously. Um, it's just it's really cool. Uh, but here's an example: of some of the jokes. I mean, this is what I love about the Arabs right? <laughs> uh, well, Duquois is like, well, Mister Rivers. It seems you have become how do you say indispensable. And Nick Rivers says indispensable. And he goes, <laughs> "That's what I thought." <laughs> that there's no joke there, and yet that is the joke and that is genius yeah. <laughs> that is genius and it's 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 almost like the shirley you can't be serious mm-hmm. you know from airplane i am serious don't and, call me shirley don't call me shirley i mean this is you know this is a level of stupidity but in a way that is uh, that this borders on genius yeah. because yeah, yeah. it's taken just the simple things like even our language and making fun of it and that's what's to me is genius about it um there's a lot of great quotes from the It's probably why I like him quite a bit, but he's, uh, he's a lot of fun. The movie, uh, he, he talks about the end where about how Nick will be the voice of America. We'll hear him in the hearts of people and in elevators everywhere. I remember him saying that, which again is a small joke, but it's, it's there. Um, I think the movie plays pretty good as a kind of spy espionage, uh, escape movie. Yeah. Uh, with ridiculous jokes, no doubt, but it's kind of fun. It's kind of got a, almost like a dirty dozen quality. Although I think it drops a lot of the exterior characters and just, and maybe that was a budget thing, but I really like the, you know, I really wish they could have went with that more because it's kind of, like I said, like we said, it's kind of an Elvis film slash dirty dozen kind of war kind of get the guys together movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then of course a, you know, a world war two uh, uh, spy movie. Uh, it's kind of all those things kind of mixed together and I enjoy all those things. And you're right. I think one of the things about this movie that's so fun is, and, and I think about the Zucker brothers and Abrams in general is when they kind of go off the rails a little bit. Uh, for example, the backwards scene with Peter Cushing, which is an amazing scene. Yeah. Uh, for those who have never seen it, uh, it was filmed backwards they, I believe they spoke backwards or they,
2: no, they they do. Yeah. Well, they spoke. Yeah. In the, in the movie they speak backwards. Yes.
1: But in real life, I think they spoke regular, but they filmed the whole, you can see it from the beginning. If you look, they did the whole thing backwards. So it's just, it's, it's awesome to me that first of all, they got Peter Cushing to do it because he seemed like such a, you know, not, not a stick in the mud, I wouldn't say, but he seemed like such a serious actor to me.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. And that they but would I mean, get him to do yeah, it. But uh, yeah, no, no, I get what you're saying.
1: Yeah. yeah, and they would get him to do it, to put the makeup on and all that kind of stuff and just have fun with it. Um, that's also a great scene because it sets up the fireplace, which pays off in a really good joke later with parachutes. <laughs> I think it's a really good joke anyway. Um, uh, but I really like that scene. But there's also the underwater bar fight, which yeah. uh, the saloon yeah. bar fight, which turns into a Western and is also really, really an odd decision. Uh, it makes no sense actually for it to be in the movie other than the fact that they feel like they could pull it off. but every time I see stuff like that and and you know we come from the era of movies where people would actually go underwater and shoot scenes, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think to myself man that that couldn't have been easy to shoot like that couldn't have been easy for Val Kilmer and uh Christopher Villiers and uh the extras that are in that scene that couldn't have been easy no way yeah. uh first of all i'm I'm scared of water, so that would be rough for me having that pressure on me at all times but staying underwater like that and and acting and, try, and trying to me doing physical stunts underwater and trying not to inhale water seems like that would be almost impossible like you know you gotta think you know they're doing this scene they're acting and they're holding their breath but at the same time they're throwing punches and all that stuff and i know there's probably a guy set with the oxygen thing and everything else but man that can't be easy it can't be. I mean, just the the physicality of it. It just can't be.
2: No, so, I'm sure that ate up a lot of uh, a lot of days of uh, yeah, their schedule.
1: Too. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of fun and very original. And then again, you know, like the Abrams, you know, getting you know getting Omar Sharif in that little car thing, uh, and that little joke. Uh, obviously, there's a smaller person in it when it's walking and stuff. It's not Omar Sharif, but you know, here's a guy who's considered one of the world-renowned actors. You know, of his time. And you know, they're putting him in where he's picking up dog crap and he's getting shot in the face with a <laughs> an ink flower and everything else. So again, that that to uh, me kind of summarizes the Abrams and Zucker way, which is, yeah, you're a great serious actor. We're gonna sh- we're gonna make you pick up fake dog crap. Because that's you know, that's about as serious as you really should be taking. Okay. And I I think I think that's kinda genius to me. Um <laughs> There's also that little small joke from Nigel, uh, which I thought was funny. It was a Russian ship, and they taught me all about you imperialist swine or whatever. The great thinkers, Karl Marx, Lenin, L. Ron Hubbard, Freddie Laker. <laughs> I mean, again, it's just little jokes. They're little moments. And if you're not paying attention, they're just throwaway. Um, and I, I think that's genius. And, and, you know, we used to, me and my brother and our friends, we used to love, we couldn't wait for the end credits of these movies. Because the end credits are great. Like on a lot of the a lot of them, you know, I think in the Naked Gun movies there's actually some recipes and things like that. And at the end credits in this one, you have all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh you have uh four and then over to the side it says a jolly good fellow. And then uh there's one that says Hey Diddle Diddle and then to the right it says the cat and the fiddle. Stuff like that. And then there's Focus Loader, Jack Williams, Focus Puller, Tony Strachan, Clapper Loader, John Fletcher, Clapper Puller, Tom Brown, Puller Clapper, Joe Taylor, Clapper Clapper, Edward Davis, and Flipper Flapper, Jane Thomas. So They're just a mile a minute, you know, just this pumping jokes at you, man. And I think that's genius. I mean, I just, I hate when, I, I'm not going to say, no, look, I love serious movies. I love serious stuff as much as anybody. But I think we should always kind of take a step back every now and then and realize that we are very flawed. And, you know, we take ourselves way too seriously sometimes. And I think these spoof movies from the 80s and certainly the Zucker Brothers, uh, Landis, for lack of a better uh, term, and the Abrams and Pat Proft, who is also kind of the – he's kind of the fourth wheel in this, Pat Proft. He used to write a lot of these movies. Uh, I think they kind of give us a moment to step back and take a breather. I mean, they put a cow in boots for Christ's sake in this movie. Yeah, and uh, you know, like you said, there's the anal intruder. There's a small joke there too, where they 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 had they couldn't remove the smile from his face because he ended up <laughs> using the anal intruder on himself, which is great. And I love that they he's like you know I love how serious they play that scene where he's like Have you tried this?" And he's like, "No, I'll try that." You know, or he can't really, He can't get his wife to reach orgasm, so he Val just gives him the anal intruder, which you know, for lack of subtlety, has a fist at the end of it. <laughs> uh, and then you know just other funny moments like the singing horse that horse <laughs> makes me laugh every single time
0: <laughs> La la
1: law you know i mean it's the most ridiculous thing and you're like oh is he sick and he's like no he's just a little horse i'm like oh that's that's <laughs> that's very good that's very good thank you and that, that that joke actually plays earlier when she's like i know a little german he's sitting right over there yeah and which you know the, these moments are just you know they're pure gold and so here's the funny thing i think i still like airplane more um and i don't know if i like i think i like hot shots and hot shots part do more than this one but i do like this film a lot um really all those spoofs that they ran through uh except for the later ones are pretty interchangeable to me because they're making fun of genres i love airplane obviously is making fun of disaster movies uh airplane two is making fun of disaster movies with a sci-fi angle uh, i think that one gets pooped on a lot but actually it's pretty funny um uh, william shatner and that's great uh oh, yeah if uh, you have never seen airplane two please check out airplane two uh obviously the hot shots movies are making fun of rambo and uh, war movies that were taking themselves way seriously in the 80s right so uh rambo a very serious character when you think about it if you go back and look at it with a uh, a really critical eye. You think to yourself, "This is absolutely ridiculous." But of course, you know, you go to a Rambo movie. You're basically going to a slasher. Let's be honest. I've mm-hmm. said that before, and I'll say it again. I mean, a Rambo movie is essentially you. You're just on the side of the slasher. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Uh. You know. So it's that. That's all it really is. Um. But these movies are just so much fun, and they and and if there's any drawback to doing them on the show, it's probably. You know, the fact that we probably had to watch them by ourselves. I think we're the kind of uh, film fans who, I think when you love movies as much as me and you do, and as much as a lot of our friends do, you can get a lot out of watching a movie by yourself. But these movies do obviously play at their best, I think, when you get a bunch of like-minded individuals together. And there's always that one person who's like, that joke is terrible. Uh, And they're a great example of comedy subjectivity. Uh, these spoof movies, because what I might laugh at, uh, Todd might not laugh at what Todd might laugh at. I might find is a terrible joke. So they're really kind of a great kind of a example of pulling a bunch of people in a room and kind of getting their sense of humor. Like there's obviously jokes that we would all laugh at. But there's always I've noticed over what over the years watching these movies with audiences. There's always jokes that I don't think are funny that some people think are absolutely hilarious. And vice versa. And I've always found that kind of fascinating. And they're really a good example of that comedy is subjectivity type thing we always talk about. Um, but, yeah, I I can't say enough good things about the movie. I do think it is very well shot. Um, I think they get a lot out of the locations they decide to use. Uh, it feels like it was shot overseas, although I don't think it was. Maybe it was, though. You know, this was a time...
2: Um yeah no i think it was
1: yeah this was a time when uh it might have still been a little cheaper to yeah looks like some of it was shot in england i'd be surprised if not all of it was shot in england yeah all of it was shot in england (laughs) Uh, it's showing it right here so it's it was all shot in england um and it looks it looks english uh it does definitely doesn't look like america so it kind of threw me off i would even the surfing scenes are shot in england so how about that so that's interesting um yeah, man, I, I I I can't recommend it enough. Um, it was a hit. Um, I think people think of it as a bomb, uh, but it but it was a hit. It just wasn't as big a hit, I think, as they were coming off of with Airplane, and uh, even Airplane Two, I think, was a bigger hit than this. But in fairness, by the time you get to those films, uh, you know that that was kind of the height of that kind of craziness and silliness, right? I'm trying to look and see what the airplane sequel made It's cost 15 million. It made 27 million. So it almost made back twice its budget. And this was the top secret cost 9 million and made 20 million. Hmm. Yeah. It just, for whatever reason, it's always kind of looked upon as bomb. I think cause it just kind of came and went and people kind of yeah, forgot about that's it. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, so airplane only cost 3 million and it made 83 million. So it was a huge hit. Um, so it gave him a lot of, uh, what do you you know a lot of uh pull with the uh studios so yeah i wonder how much the naked gun film made i'm looking now to check and see what the uh 12 million dollar budget pulled in 78 million dollars so pretty good so these movies were all kind of hits i mean you can make them pretty cheap depends on how you know how far you want to go with the jokes right so but yeah yeah, I heard you say that earlier, that this one was a bit of a bomb. I think it was a bomb compared to Airplane and Airplane 2. But at the same time, a bigger hit than most people remember, I think. Which is, is fu- it is funny. It is funny to think of that, right? Uh, I don't really have much more to add. I'll kick it over to you from Maker Breaks and MVTs.
2: All righty. Okay, where am I? Yeah, okay, make or break. Uh, I'm going to go with the, the Peter Cushing scene uh, again because it's so odd in a film that's loaded uh, with oddities. Um, it almost doesn't belong in this movie. Uh, and I think <laughs> yeah. that the, the sheer balls uh, that it took to do this and put it in this film impressed me and mm-hmm. still impresses me to this day.
1: Yeah. Um, it's still an amazing scene to this day.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, and,
1: that, and, uh, and that's be- saying a lot because, I mean, you know, you think about scenes, you know, I like I would put that scene as far as 80s scenes, to me, that scene is as important as the transformation scene in American War of London. It's that it's that good.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, no, I I, I agree. Uh, MVT. I'm gonna go with uh, Zucker, Zucker, and Abrams. Uh, it's their show basically, and I think that they do a very nice job pulling it off. Uh, you know what they were going for uh, as best as they they possibly could. It's kind of a mystery to me uh, how they never really. I don't think. Uh, hit this height again. Mm. But then again, you know, uh, Mel Brooks was all downhill after Spaceballs, in my opinion. So, you know, what can you do? Mm. Um, and score for me, I'm going, I'm going eight out of 10. Nice. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I love this one yeah. uh, to a uh, a wild degree. So. Yeah,
1: we're pretty much on the same page on this one all the way across. Uh, my make or break is also the Cushing scene. As you know, you, you've heard me gush about it. To compare it to the transformation scene in American War in London, I think it was a mic drop moment because Todd got quiet for a second. <laughs> so, because <laughs> that's a pretty pivotal moment, right? From our from our movie Youth, I mean, that's yes, yeah, one of the most uh, pivotal scenes of probably movie history in a lot of ways, especially of the eighties. Certainly
2: watershed, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, my MVT though, I'm a, here's the only place I differ with you. Uh, I think the Zucker and Abram guys did better stuff. Um, I, I think that this is their show. There's no doubt about that, and they're very important to the movie. They they're pivotal to the movie, as a matter of fact. Um, I do think that they still had. I I think they they fall apart after Hot Shots part Due. I think after that, I think the Hot Shots. Well, they films, did.
2: They did. They, they didn't all do Hot Shots. That's though, true. Right?
1: That's true. That's true. It was mostly Abrams. They were just there as producers, so it was mostly Abrams on those. So I'll give you. I'll give you that. But yeah, you're right. So so I don't even know if that. Well, Jerry Zucker went on to make quote-unquote serious movies right he he did ghost and i think first night the uh the uh uh richard gear uh movie. Oh, yeah the, yeah. The, uh, yeah yeah he did that king so, arthur thing yeah he went on to do more serious stuff now david zucker he has a few gems in his i actually enjoy basketball quite a bit uh it's ridiculous comedy but i quite enjoy it and I think he did another one. I think he did one of the scary movies, Scary Movie 3 or Scary Movie 4. I think he did both of those, actually. Uh, I think you're right. Uh, which has moments. They're not nearly as good, those scary movies, but they're not bad. They're not terrible uh, spoofs. They're pretty good. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd say as a unit, this is probably, yeah, their watershed moment, maybe. Um, and I do agree. Mel Brooks, unfortunately, I think Spaceballs is, is where it taps out uh as much as i love mel brooks and i'll love him till the day he passes away and he might live longer than me for christ's sake but uh you know he was a genius right and he is a genius in so many ways um we need to do some brooks stuff on the show um let's see here i'm gonna go with the mvt being kilmer so i knew at least in my heart from the moment i saw this movie and I saw this movie before I saw Top Gun, before I saw Real Genius. So I knew from the get-go, and maybe it was my fascination with Elvis movies, or maybe it was something else, but I just knew Val Kilmer was going to be a star. I, and I think this movie shows you that. Um, now, obviously, Val Kilmer's gone on to be kind of an infamous star, a uh, very difficult actor. Uh, One of the great, I remember, I remember Joel Schumacher saying something about him because I remember he was offered a time to kill and Joel Schumacher was really excited to be working with him on Batman forever. And then by the time Batman forever was over with, he's like, I'll never talk to that guy again. (laughs) (laughs) He said he had serious mental health issues (laughs) because he is so difficult to work with. And I've never heard, honestly, I've never heard anybody that's worked with him has ever said anything super positive about it uh evidently he is just a real he's just a real argumentative person okay and uh he's just a real difficult actor to work with and it is what it is some people are like that unfortunately he's one of them and we didn't talk about lucy guteridge a lot on this on this review but she's gorgeous in my opinion we've had two gorgeous leading ladies this week lisa gay and lucy guteridge so there we go anyway l and l (laughs) yeah l and l uh, but I, I'll give it to Kilmer because I felt like he was a star right from the get go, and you know, and and that continued when I saw him in Real Genius, which I agree with you is a genius of a movie uh, that doesn't get talked about enough. Really, uh, we should review that at some point. And, uh, and then, oh yeah, uh, it's on the map. Uh, oh, and then of course, you know, obviously Top Gun, where he plays one of the greatest you know assholes in cinema history. I mean, it's it's one of the great performances as far as in an asshole nature. I mean, it's this it's genius, the Iceman. Mm -hmm.
2: um it's real genius uh,
1: that's good that's good that's waka 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 we'll be here all week guys um (laughs) try the
2: veal it's the best
1: (laughs) uh, my score is exactly the same as yours eight out of ten i think this movie is is wonderful and uh it continues to be wonderful and uh i would recommend if people haven't checked it out in a while check it out if you've never seen it give it a give it a poke i wonder how younger movie fans would take these spoofs at this point um I wonder if they're just a product of their time. I mean, occasionally you still see them now, but again, a lot of them, a lot of the modern ones are, are really rough. I think the last one I watched that I made it through, and I don't even know if I made it through all the way, but it was some, it was some riff on 300. I think it was called meet the Spartans or something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was atrocious.
2: Well, I mean, but it, it
1: had might, a few good jokes
2: yeah yeah i mean my personal opinion is that a lot of that shit gets really really lazy it's just you know it just is like well this is a thing that's happening so if we just say that it's stupid that's funny well no that's not how it works no that's not no. how it works but i
1: agree that's what it feels like um all right that's the big show man we did it we did another show how about that
2: hooray oh, another <laughs> another one done yeah. One tin soldier rides away.
1: All right. So, um, so next week, uh, usually I say, Hey, Todd, what are you picking? And, and he says, Hey, Rick, what are you picking? <laughs> and, uh, that actually doesn't happen, but that's the way we kind of set it up. But next week, Todd already told me what he was picking. So I thought, so whenever I get a chance, especially if a film only has two films in its history, uh, I like to do the double deuce because, I always like to talk about the second film, because usually if it only gets to two films, there's a reason why it only gets to two films. And sometimes it's just one of those weird things where it just happens that way. Um, but next week, uh, Todd, you want to tell them what you're picking, and then I'll kind of chime in.
2: I am picking the great Tibor Tackax, uh movie The Gate from 1987, I want to say.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah. Nice. This one's been a long a little, time little coming. little Stephen
2: Dorff action.
1: Yeah, this one's been a long time coming. I think Will and I have talked yeah. about it in the past. and It's a Canadian movie. And uh, it was a very important, pivotal cable TV movie for me. Uh, I saw it a lot on cable. And related a lot to the uh, the one character who was uh, into heavy metal. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Because it was very important to me at the time. Um, still is. Who am, am I joking? Um, so therein lies the, uh, what I was talking about. So we're going to do the gate and we're going to do the gate two, which is, uh, one that, uh, isn't really talked about as much, maybe for a reason. We'll discuss that next week, but so we're going to do the gate double deuce essentially. And is the gate two done by Tibor tactics as
2: well. Yes, it is.
1: Oh, I thought so. Yeah. Tibor did a few interesting things. Yes, he did. I don't know if he ever reached the heights of the gate though. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about that next week.
2: That is debatable, yeah. Yeah.
1: But uh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun to talk about those two movies. Um. As always, we hope you're uh, being safe out there, having a good time, loving movies, loving life. Again, anchor.fm slash ggtmc. You can do voicemails from your phone. You can do them from your computer. Uh, you just got to have an account. If you want to do that, that'd be great. We'll definitely play them on the show. Um. The emails, you know that, midnightcinema.gmail.com. gmail.com. We hope you have a good time, and I will say adios.
2: Adios.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com.